0: Hello, and welcome to the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. My name is Jonathan Messenger, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Bebop Robomogo Wanatron. Bebop, how's it going?
1: It's great, Jonathan. I am happy to be here.
0: And you know what, Bebop? I'm happy that you're happy. Thanks,
1: Jonathan. And I'm happy that I'm happy, too.
0: Wait, aren't you happy that I'm happy? Eh, take it or leave it. <laughs> all right, well, here we are at the beginning of season six of the Alien Avengers of Finn Caspian, and I am so excited. Thank you all so much for coming back for season six. This season is going to be a little bit different in ways that will become obvious as the season goes on. And one thing that I'm really, really excited about is that we are going to see a lot of characters. Submitted by our audience to our character club that are going to show up in this season. How cool is that? A lot of really great ideas from a lot of really great kids. Jonathan, I have great ideas. I know you do, Bebop. I listen to Bebop tales. So then, yeah, you
1: should know. So can I give you some character ideas for, let's say, some new aliens this season?
0: Uh, I don't really need any more characters, Bebop. I think I have... Okay,
1: great. So, what about some, hmm, Kettle Joes?
0: Kettle Joes?
1: Yeah, they're aliens that are shaped like trash cans, but they have flippers.
0: Trash cans with flippers? Hmm, I'm not sure. Okay,
1: okay, okay, okay. How about hershalations?
0: Hershelations?
1: Herschelations? Yep. They're aliens that look like padded toilet seats, but they have lion's manes.
0: Why do toilet seats have lion's manes?
1: It doesn't matter. How about salagons? Salagons are aliens that are shaped like toilet seats, but they have eagle
0: beaks. Why do your ideas involve toilet seats? Why not? It just seems like there could be other shapes for aliens. The
1: universe is infinite, Jonathan. There's going to be more than one toilet seat alien out there.
0: All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll file those ideas away. And in the meantime, let's get right into it, shall we? Fine. All right. Thanks again so much for coming back for Season 6 of the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. Here we go Season 6 Prologue. Wait, what? Yep. Prologue. Prologue, what happened to episode 1? Episode 1 comes next week, Bebop. This is a prologue, like in a book, when there's a little bit before the first chapter. Are you still going to do the whole
1: most powerful telescope in the universe thing? No. Okay, great. Then
0: proceed. All right, thanks. Once again, here we go. The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian prologue. Famous Marlowe 280 Interplanetary Exploratory Space Station had been out of Earth's orbit for less than a year. It may sound strange to say, but the people of Earth missed it. For the longest time, if you even had the least powerful telescope in the universe, you could have seen the Marlowe up in Earth's orbit. It was such a massive station so big that it had to be built up in space powerful rockets sent pieces up into orbit where engineers connected them like the largest lego project in the history of the universe building the hull the outside shell of the space station had taken months and then to lay out all of the rooms and the library ship all of the equipment up into space test everything it was a long project. If you lived on Earth at that time, you could stand out on the sidewalk on a clear night and see a new star up in the sky, growing brighter and brighter every day. It was a gorgeous sight, a celestial body made by women and men. Before she became captain, Isabel Caspian's fondest memory of the Marlowe came when she was still living on Earth. There was a meteor shower one night. Streaks of white and vaguely purple light shot across the dark sky. She had driven out to a forest preserve where there were no street lights and watched as the meteors painted the sky. And there, in the center of it all, was the beginnings of the Marlowe 280. It would still be months before Isabel received her assignment and went up to the Marlowe, because the build A space station like the Marlowe, it had taken years, and it had taken Earth. All of Earth. It was a unifying mission, and it took all of the planet's countries to contribute and work together to make it happen. Engineers from New Zealand designed the station's navigational system. A chemist from Iran figured out how to ensure the food wouldn't spoil A roboticist from Senegal designed a repair robot that could fix both the ship's hull and itself. There was a project manager from Scotland, an analyst from Venezuela, a test pilot from China. Every piece of the Marlowe and every person aboard her came from a different place in the world. And one year after the Marlowe shipped out from Earth, Captain Caspian thought about that incredible achievement of humanity. She shut her eyes, grasped her captain's chair, her knuckles whitening, as it seemed every piece of that Marlow, every bit that Earth had put together, was being ripped apart. The famous Marlow 280 interplanetary exploratory space station shuddered and shook. The astronauts aboard could barely keep their feet, The ship swung back and forth, and the astronauts shuffled and slid with it. Everyone grabbed onto something or someone to stay standing. "'Captain!' shouted Lenora Brooks. Her baby, Genevieve, was in her arms. "'Captain! We need to do something about this, now!' Captain Caspian opened her eyes. How was she going to pilot them out of this one? How could she push the ship through?' the Marlowe had made their very first stop on a promising planet. It was the mission of the Marlowe to find a planet where humans could one day live, and everything about the planet they'd visited made it seem like they had struck gold on their very first one. But they were wrong. There were aliens on the planet that the Marlowe's sensors hadn't discovered, and when Captain Caspian ordered the ship to orbit the planet, everything had gone immediately wrong. The aliens on the planet were hostile. They first tried to pull the Marlowe toward its surface with some sort of gravitational beam. Captain Caspian had acted quickly, thrusting the Marlowe away from the planet, but then the aliens had reversed the beam and had tried to propel the Marlowe away. But if Isabel hadn't acted quickly, The Marlowe would have been shot straight off into space toward a nearby asteroid belt. They had gone back and forth like this with the Marlowe's officers trying to communicate with the planet, begging the aliens to let the Marlowe go. It was a peaceful ship that now just wanted to peacefully move on. Come in, come in, said communications officer Leon Caspian. We mean you no harm. Of the aliens in return and the aliens weren't letting them go and now they were doing something even worse they were using that same gravitational beam to squeeze the marlo to crush it like a soda can the space station shook under the force of the planet's beam and it groaned as it tried to hold its shape the grown-ups on the marlo had already put their kids into spacesuits in case the hull breached. There were only a few children on the Marlow at the time, long before Finn, Abigail, Elias, and Valley were even born, and it was the rule that the kids would be suited up first, and then the astronauts. Now the rest of the crew started sealing themselves into spacesuits, anticipating the worst. Captain Caspian, a captain to the end, wouldn't put hers on until she was sure there were enough suits for everyone. The ship groaned again. Captain! It was Monica Carreras, the lieutenant of the Marlow. There's a breach on the aft side of the Marlow. Was everyone evacuated? Said Captain Caspian. Yes, said the lieutenant. And we've sealed it off. The breach hasn't gone beyond the family compartments on that side of the station. But, but, said Captain Caspian, one breach means another is coming any minute. Where's your spacesuit, lieutenant? Hanging right next to yours, said the lieutenant, and I'll put mine on when you put on yours. Captain Caspian smiled. She and Monica had been close friends ever since the Academy, and she was the strongest person Captain Caspian had ever known. The Marlowe groaned again. We come in peace, shouted communications officer Caspian into his microphone again. We simply want to go. I think we're going to need those spacesuits soon, Captain Caspian whispered to her friend and lieutenant. Nothing I've tried has worked, and I can't think of anything else to do. You will, said Lieutenant Carreras. It's a miracle that this ship was ever built. It's a miracle that we've gotten this far. And so what's one more miracle to get us out of this? Captain Caspian smiled again but held tight to her chair as the Marlow rocked. At first, she didn't feel the tugging on her sleeve. She was busy trying to steady herself and think back on her years of training. But the tugging came again, and Captain Caspian looked down. A kid, she didn't know which one, was standing beside her in a spacesuit, visor down. What is it, Sweetie? "'said Captain Caspian. "'You should be somewhere else, somewhere safe, with your parents.' "'But I know how to stop this,' said the kid. "'Their voice sounded tinny from inside the helmet. "'What?' said Lieutenant Carreras. "'This isn't a game, kiddo.' "'I know,' said the kid. "'But I know how we can get out of this. "'Trust me. "'Just listen.' "'Captain Caspian shrugged. "'You're the only person on the space station who has an idea, so go for it,' she said. "'Okay.' So, the planet is using a gravitational beam of some sort, right? And we keep trying to resist it. But what if we stop trying to resist? What if we, since we're all in our spacesuits anyway, depressurized the entire Marlow? Well, then, honey, said Captain Caspian, the beam that's crushing us right now would squeeze us like a grape. Oh, said the kid. Bad idea. Okay. Hold on one second. You really should go back to your parents, said Lieutenant Carreras. The captain needs to think. Wait, 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 said the kid. I have another idea. The kid ran to the navigational controls and began pressing buttons furiously. (laughs) What are you doing? shouted Captain Caspian. This, said the kid, and the ship suddenly lurched as the thrusters turned on and began pushing it. We've already tried this, said Captain Caspian. Well, you tried going toward the planet and you tried going away from the planet, said the kid. But you haven't tried going around the planet. Look, the Marlowe is now zooming through the planet's orbit. The alien's beam stopped squeezing the Marlowe and switched to now trying to pull it back again. Ready, said the kid. Here we go. The kid piloted the Marlowe directly between the planet and its enormous white moon. The beam from the alien's planet encircled the Marlowe and the moon. Suddenly, the kid stopped the Marlowe's thrusters. And the Marlowe, along with that giant moon, began floating down toward the planet. What have you done? Said Captain Caspian. That moon will crash into the planet. Exactly, said the kid. And it'll crush us, said Captain Caspian. Oh, yeah, said the kid. The communication speaker suddenly crackled on.
1: Ah! Our moon! It's going to hit us!
0: yelled the aliens.
1: Fine, you can go. Get out of here!
0: The Marlowe suddenly stopped groaning. You don't have to tell us twice, said Captain Caspian, and she quickly piloted the Marlowe away from the hostile planet. After breathing five enormous sighs of relief, the captain looked down at the kid who had saved the space station. Pretty brave and pretty smart, huh? Captain Caspian turned around. One of the astronauts had approached and put his arm around the kid. He opened up his visor and then the kid's. I'm not surprised it took a Bunce to save this station, said Officer Bunce. He looked down at his daughter, Juliana. The girl shrugged. She looked up at Captain Caspian. When you got it, you got it, I guess. All right. I am here alone today. My editor will be here for episode one, but I did discuss with Griffin... What was going to happen in this prologue, and he was cool, unlike Bebop, with the idea of doing a prologue to begin with. So, Griffin will be back next week, but in the meantime, I have some artists to thank. I want to say thank you to Milo, who's six and a half from San Francisco, our pal Rosa, Ian, who's nine, and Isaac, who is seven, Elizabeth, who's 11 from Los Angeles, California, Emily, who's four from Candelo, Australia, Lila, who's six. From Los Angeles, California, our pal Ada, Hannah, who's 10, from Guelph, Ontario, Hyder, who's 5, from New York City, Owen, who's 3, our pal Jack, who drew an alien lemon that grows potatoes, Connor, who's 8, and Sean, who's 5.5, from North Carolina, and our pals Tessa, who's 8, and Tyson, who is 6. Thank you all so much for that amazing art. And now, We have jokes from two sibling teams. Up first is Abby from Oklahoma City and her brother Joshua from Oklahoma City. Take it away, guys.
1: I'm Abby from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and I have a joke. What is an alien's favorite pot? A flying saucer. (laughs) That's great. Hi, I'm Joshua from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and I have a joke. How do you know when the moon had enough to eat? When it's full.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And now we have Finney and Ollie from Sag Harbor, New York.
1: Hi, I'm Finney from Sag Harbor, New York. And my joke is, what did the giant have with the cereal? The Milky Way. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ollie from Sag Harbor, New York. Want to hear a joke? Knock, knock. Who's there? Space. Space too. I think you have too much space.
0: (laughs) Thank you guys so much. So good. Thank you all so much for the art. Thank you all so much for the jokes. Thank you all for coming back this season. So excited for what's going to happen. If you're a little curious as to what this whole prologue is about, this is something that Griffin and I talked about before we put this episode out. Sometimes prologues, before the first chapter of a book, they sort of set the scene for what you're about to read. Sometimes prologues give you history of a story. Sometimes prologues give you things that happen in the middle of a story. And then the first chapter goes to the beginning. And if you remember, one of the books that this season is inspired by is a book called mouse heart and mouse heart has an amazing prologue before it gets into the first chapter. So that's where the idea for this came from. I hope you all check that book out and I hope you all come back next week for episode one of the alien adventures of Caspian season six. In honor of Griffin, I will say bye 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 bye. The Alien Adventures of Fincast is a Gen Z kids production, written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger, with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. Emerson Messenger is our intern. The music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human in the multiverse. If you would like to support the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finncaspian. And if you want more great podcasts for your family, check out bestrobotever.com. Thank you very much, and we will see you next week.
1: All right, all right. How about this? Ray Kiar's—they look like toilet seats on top of trash
0: cans. Hey, parents and teachers, have you heard about GZMClassroom.com?